Welcome back to Bible Time. 1 Thessalonians 5.16. Two great big words for a great big long verse here. Rejoice evermore. That's not very complicated on its first inspection, but it gets pretty complicated whenever you get in complicated circumstances and you believe in situational ethics instead of raw obedience to the Word of God. The Bible says rejoice evermore. Can you rejoice on an island surrounded by crocodiles? Can you rejoice hanging by your toe from a height? that is scary? Can you rejoice swinging out over Niagara Falls on a flimsy rope? Well, why would you be doing any of that? I don't know. But usually that's how situational ethics works. They come up with the most absurd and wild circumstances to try and challenge your faith. Most of the time, it will never happen. Some of the time, it could happen. But all of the time, God's word still applies every single time. There is no situation that you can possibly encounter in in this life that you will not have the word of God still applying in. And here's the reason, because God is the is sovereign over situations. And God says there is no temptation taking you, but such as is common to man. And God will not allow you to be tempted above that you are, you are able, but will with every temptation give you a way of escape. So God will not suffer you to be tempted above your able. And therefore God can command you this rejoice evermore. A lot of times our ideas about what we can take are not the same as God's ideas about what we can take. God knows what we really can take and God knows that God is God and that God can change your heart. God can give you joy. God can give you strength and God can give you peace in the battle. So God can tell you rejoice evermore and you can obey it through his working mightily in you. So here in 1 Thessalonians 5, 16, we find these two words, rejoice evermore, also the title of this Bible time. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, we pray that you'd help us to obey your word. You said rejoice evermore. And we trust you, Lord, that this is not only your will, but it's you that will give us the power to do your will. And Lord, we purpose to do this. Help us to learn about rejoicing today. Help us to trust you in rejoicing today in Jesus name. And for Christ's sake, amen. Now, rejoicing is not contingent upon circumstances, but rejoicing is rather contingent upon who God is. Go to the book of Psalms. We're going to look at today at several verses in the book of Psalms and then a few verses in the New Testament and maybe an Old Testament example of some people who rejoiced. We'll just have to see how far we get in the word of God today and what the Lord would have us to do. The book of Psalms chapter 5 and verse 11, but let all those that put their trust in thee rejoice, but let all those that put their trust in thee rejoice. Now, these people that he's saying that are putting their trust in him are not people who have the pink Cadillac and the four-car garage and the five-story mansion or the penthouse pad. They're not the people that have their stocks and bonds are, are multiplying in worth and value, and their net worth has been going through the roof, and they can buy whatever they want. They can go wherever they want. This isn't talking about those 
those kinds of people. Look at Psalms 5 and verse 1. Give ear to my words, O Lord. Consider my meditation. Hearken unto the voice of my cry, my King and my God, for unto thee will I pray. My voice shalt thou hear in the morning. O Lord, in the morning will I direct my prayer unto thee and will look up. For thou art not a God that hath pleasure in wickedness, neither shall evil dwell with thee. The foolish shall not stand in thy sight. Thou hatest all workers of iniquity. Thou shalt destroy them that speak leasing. The Lord will abhor the bloody and deceitful man. But as for me, I will come into thy house in the multitude of thy mercy. And in thy fear will I worship toward thy holy temple. Lead me, O Lord, in thy righteousness because of mine enemies. Make thy way straight before my face. Here is a man who's crying out to God that God would hear his prayer. He's telling God, I'm going to seek you early in the morning. He's telling God the news is awful bleak. If you look around at the deceitful man and the bloody man and everything else going on, the foolish in this world, the news is pretty bleak. I'm trusting you, Lord God, that it's going to turn out all right. I'm trusting you that you're in control. But he says, lead me, O Lord, in thy righteousness because of mine enemies. This is a man with enemies. This is a man who does not have everything going for him. Instead, he has enemies beleaguering him, enemies encircling him, enemies attacking him. And this man is going to trust in the Lord, even in the face of that. And because of his trust in the Lord and because of his conscious decision to rejoice in the Lord, he's going to be able to rejoice in the Lord because he has fixed his heart and his mind on the Lord. He says, for there is no faithfulness in their mouth, their inward part is very wickedness. Their throat is an open sepulcher. They flatter with their tongue. Destroy thou them, O God. Let them fall by their own counsels. Let them fall by their own counsel. Counsels, cast them out in the multitude of their transgressions, for they have rebelled against thee. But let all those that put their trust in thee rejoice. Let them ever shout for joy, because thou defendest them. Let them also that love thy name be joyful in thee. For thou, Lord, wilt bless the righteous with favor, wilt thou compass him as with a shield. Here, the rejoicing of the psalmist in Psalm chapter 5 is not contingent upon. On his circumstances. It is not contingent on whether or not his ball team won the World Series. It is not contingent on whether or not his ball team won the Super Bowl. His rejoicing is not contingent on whether or not he's getting a good price for his merchandise. His rejoicing is not contingent on the physical circumstances of this life. His rejoicing is stemming from a heart that is meditating on God and on the truth of God in the face of the lies, in the face of the deceit, in the face of the blood, in the face of the iniquity, in the face of the flattery. He says that he will rejoice in the Lord because he trusts in the Lord. And the whole psalm begins with meditation. Rejoicing stems from a heart that meditates on who God is and understands who God is. The psalmist said, my meditation of him shall be sweet. I will be glad in the Lord. Go to Psalms 9 and verse 2. It's important to note today that rejoicing here is not a noun, it is a verb. Rejoicing is an action word. Rejoicing is something that you do, not something that you feel. uh, Rejoicing is not an emotion. 
It is not a passive state. It is not something that requires a state of being verb to come before it. It is something that stands alone as a verb. Rejoicing is something that I can do, like eating, like sleeping. You say, I can't rejoice. Can you eat? You say, well, I can't eat. Can you sleep? You say, well, I can't sleep. Well, can you die? And go to heaven? Because if you can do anything, you can rejoice. Rejoicing is a verb. I know that sounded kind of far out, but we'll look at it here in the Bible and see how true that that is. If you can do anything in this life, you can rejoice. I'd like everybody here to raise a hand up, any hand. One of your hands. Thank you. You just raised a hand. You did it. If you did, if you raised your hand today, you can rejoice. If you are able to consciously choose to execute any action in life, you can execute this action of rejoicing. Psalm 9 and verse 2. I will be glad and rejoice in thee. I will sing praise to thy name, O thou most high. You say, what are the circumstances? It must be wonderful. Look at verse 1. I will praise thee. O Lord, with my whole heart, I will show forth all thy marvelous works. And then again in verse two, I will be glad and rejoice in thee. I will sing praise to thy name, O thou most high. When mine enemies are turned back, they shall fall and perish at thy presence, for thou hast maintained my right and my cause. Now here he says, when mine enemies are turned back. This implies that his enemies are still coming. His enemies are still on the march. The enemy is still after him, after his family, after his business, after his home, after his rule, after his kingdom. And yet he says, I will be glad and rejoice in thee. This rejoicing is a conscious decision. It is a choice that he is making with his will. This is an act of the sanctified will of the Christian. We can see again in verse 6, O thou enemy, destructions are come to a perpetual end, and thou hast destroyed cities. Their memorial is perished with them, but the Lord shall endure forever. He hath prepared his throne for judgment. He's saying here that the enemy has not only still coming, but the enemy has been successful. The enemy has destroyed cities. The remembrance, the memorial of the cities will perish with them. He has flattened some cities. He has destroyed them to such an extent that some of those cities will never rise again. And here the king of the realm, David, the psalmist, David, the king is saying, but the Lord, but the Lord shall endure forever. He hath prepared his throne for judgment and he opened this psalm of praise. I will be glad and rejoice in thee. David is rejoicing in the midst of setbacks, in the midst of military failure. He is rejoicing because he knows who God is. His meditation is on God. His his expectation is in the Lord. His hope is in the judgment of God that is coming. He says, but the Lord shall endure forever. He hath prepared his throne for judgment. He's looking for another life. He's looking for another judgment. He's not looking for the full expectation of all of his joy in this life. Instead, he's looking to the next life. He's looking to the next judgment. He's looking to what God is going to do. And because his meditation is in the Lord, he's going to rejoice and be glad. Look here at verse 13. Have mercy upon me, O Lord. Consider my trouble, which I suffer of them that hate me. Thou that liftest me up from the gates of death, consider my trouble. 
which I suffer of them that hate me. This is the psalmist that says in verse two, I will be glad and rejoice in thee. I will be glad and rejoice in thee. Verse 13, consider my trouble, which I suffer of them that hate me. Thou that liftest me up from the gates of death, that I may show forth all thy praise in the gates of the daughter of Zion. I will rejoice in thy salvation, he says. I will rejoice in thy salvation. Here in this, in spite of the fact that he's suffering trouble, in, fi- in spite of the fact that he's suffering setback, in spite of the fact that things are not going his way, he says, I will rejoice. And again, in verse 16, he brings up the judgment. In verse 17, the wicked shall be turned into hell and all the nations that forget God. Verse 18, for the needy shall not always be forgotten. The expectation of the poor shall not perish forever. Here is the poor man. Here is the needy man. Here is the defeated man. Here is the hated man. Here is the man whose enemies are encircling, whose enemies are on the march, whose enemies are on the move. And yet he says, I will rejoice. Rejoicing is an act of the sanctified will. Hold your place there and go to Psalms 31.7. You can go ahead and just drop it. And we'll just, we'll go back about Psalm 16 next. Psalm 31.7. I will be glad and rejoice in thy mercy, for thou hast considered my trouble. Thou hast known my soul in adversities. David is saying, I will rejoice because you've taken me through in the past. And even though I'm going through it right now, even though it doesn't look like the sun will ever shine again, even though I'm in trouble, even though I'm in adversity, even though it seems like the rain will never stop falling, the sun will never come out, it seems like nothing will ever work right again. Nothing's going my way. I can't get anything to fall my direction. Everything's against me. My troubles are against me. I'm overwhelmed. I'm in trouble and adversity. He says, I will be glad and rejoice in thy mercy. His meditation is on the nature of God. His meditation is on the mercy of God. His meditation is on the gifts of God. His meditation is on the righteousness of God. His meditation is on the goodness of of God, instead of looking at the circumstances, his eyes are on Jesus Christ. And because his eyes are on Jesus Christ, he is able to go forward and resist unto blood, striving against sin. The Bible says, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the shame, despising the shame, he says, endured the cross and is set down at the right hand of the majesty on high from henceforth, expecting until his enemies be made his footstool. Jesus had adversity. Jesus had trouble. Jesus had enemies. Many strong bulls of Bashan have compassed me round. They've compassed me about. They gaped upon me with their mouths as a ravening and a roaring lion. You may, He says, they may tell all my bones and you, they look and stare upon me, he says. And he speaks of all the trouble and all the trials that he went through. But Jesus was able to rejoice in the Lord. And Jesus is sitting at the right hand 
hand of God from henceforth expecting until his enemies be made his footstool. If your eyes are on this life, if your eyes are on right now, if your hope is in this day, this moment, what you're doing today, what's facing you today, you will be disappointed. You will be in grief. You will be in sorrow. You will be in heartache. You will be in discouragement. You will be in doubt. You will be in defeat. Get your eyes off your circumstances. Lift up my, I will lift up my eyes unto the hills from whence cometh my help. My help is in God. Psalm 16, 9. Psalm 16, 9. The act of the sanctified will in rejoicing. The heart is able to rejoice based on trust. Psalm 16, 9. Therefore, my heart is glad and my glory rejoiceth. My flesh also shall rest in hope. Here at the beginning of Psalm 16, he says, Preserve me, O God, for in thee do I put my trust. Preserve me, O God, for in thee do I put my trust. His hope is not in the insurance agency. His hope is not in a government bailout. His hope is not in the banking system and the loan officer down at the local bank. His hope and his trust is in God. He says, preserve me, O God, for in thee do I put my trust. His hope is not in the medical community. His hope is not in some new medical research group and invention. His hope is in the Lord. O my soul, in Psalm 16, 2, follow along in your Bible. Thou hast said unto the Lord, thou art my Lord. My goodness extendeth not to thee, but to the saints that are in the earth and to the excellent in whom is all my delight. There's sorrows shall be multiplied that hasten after another God. Their drink offerings of blood will I not offer nor take up their names into my lips. The Lord is the portion of mine inheritance and of my cup. Thou maintainest my lot. The lines are fallen unto me in pleasant places. Yea, I have a goodly heritage. I will bless the Lord who hath given me counsel. My reins also instruct me in the night seasons. I have set the Lord always before me. I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I shall not be moved. The Dow may fall. The stocks may fall. The market may fall. The banks may fall. The currency may fall. The government may fall. Your nation may fall. And indeed they all will someday. If they don't today, they're coming down someday. He says, I'm not looking at that. My trust is not in my circumstances. My trust is not in my situation. My trust is not in my people group. My trust is not in my citizenship on earth. He says, I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I shall not be moved. His trust, his rejoicing is in the Lord and follow along in your Bibles. If this doesn't excite you at all today, maybe you need to go through some worse stuff. And by the way, you probably will. If you aren't going through something bad today, it's probably around the corner. Not being pessimistic, just realistic. And realistic is better than optimistic. You say, what's better, pessimistic or optimistic? Neither. An optimist thinks everything's roses. A pessimist can only see the thorns on the roses. But a Christian sees the creator God who made the roses and worships God and adores God and meditates on God and his goodness and his righteousness in the face of the storm 
storm. And that has staying power. That has going through the storm power. That has lasting power. Therefore, my heart is glad and my glory rejoiceth. My flesh also shall rest in hope. This rejoicing that he's doing, if you'll notice here today, stems from a glad heart. His glory is what is rejoicing. And the glory there in the New Testament is the Shekinah glory of God and the indwelt Holy Spirit of God that fills the heart of the believer so that the believer can be filled with the Spirit. Be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Speaking to yourselves in psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your hearts to the Lord. This this whole song, this glory rejoicing, the song springing up from within is the anointing of the Holy Spirit of God on the heart that is right with God and rejoicing in the heart in the hope of God. And look at the result. My flesh also shall rest in hope. My flesh also shall rest in hope. Rejoicing in God brings true rest to the weary flesh, even to the body. Some people think that going on vacation will make them feel better and they'll finally get a break. And they go on vacation, they come back more tired than they ever were when they left. And they kind of regret it. Now now they've spent money that they had to save. Now they have all the same cares, all the same worries, all the same bills, except they have less time to earn the money to pay them and they spent their money on the fun instead of on any kind of real rest. And when it's all said and done, they have to work harder and longer to accomplish the same thing. And they have less rest because of their vacation. But God says here, therefore, my heart is glad through the psalmist David and my glory rejoiceth. My flesh also shall rest in hope. Now this ties directly into a prophecy about the Messiah. Verse 10, for thou wilt not leave my soul in hell, neither wilt thou suffer thine Holy one to see corruption. Thou wilt show me the path of life in thy presence is fullness of joy. At thy right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. This is about Jesus Christ. We just talked about how the enemy had come around Jesus and how Jesus rejoiced and for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame and is set down at the right hand of God. And right here, it tells you that while Jesus was in the grave, that while Jesus was yet separated from God. He said on the morning he rose, touch me not for I have yet not yet ascended to my to my father. And so when Jesus died on the cross this psalm tells us that he rejoiced and that his glory was rejoicing and his heart was glad in the midst of his sufferings in the midst of the darkest hour in the midst of his separation from God. His flesh also shall rest in hope. His body laid there in the grave until the third day and it rested in hope. Jesus wasn't wringing his hands. Jesus wasn't worrying. Jesus wasn't fretting. Jesus was rejoicing and you can too by the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. You can rejoice in the midst of your tribulation. You can rejoice in the midst of your trial if Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior. Psalm 28 and verse 7. Psalm 28 and verse 7 deals with this same concept of trusting in God and that being the fountainhead of rejoicing. The Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusted in him and I am helped. Therefore, my heart greatly rejoiced and with my song will I praise him. Psalm 33 and verse 21. 
for our heart shall rejoice in him because we have trusted in his holy name. Have you trusted in the name of Jesus Christ today? Have you trusted in the name of Jesus Christ for salvation? There is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Turn from your sin. Repent. Stop trusting in your own good works. Trust in Jesus Christ and be saved. If you're saved today and your heart is trusting in him, then rejoice. Rejoice that you trust in the Lord. Rejoice that you have a new name written down in heaven. Rejoice. Make a willful choice of the sanctified will with the power of the Holy Spirit of God by faith to rejoice even though you don't feel like it. Psalms 19 and verse 5, we're going to see here that rejoicing here is an expression of utter confidence, utter and complete confidence in my ability to overcome an obstacle that I'm facing. But for the Christian, that confidence is in God's ability to overcome the obstacle in me. Here we find the the son in Psalm 19 is rejoicing as a strong man to run a race. Look at verse 5, which is as a bridegroom, the son that is of verse 4, which is as a bridegroom coming out of his chamber and rejoiceth as a strong man to run a race. This is speaking about a man who has trained, a man who has worked, and the morning of the race is drawing nigh, and he's preparing. He's awakened early. He's gotten the nutrition he needs. He's making his way to the starting line, and his heart is is beating a little faster just in joyful anticipation of the race that is in front of him. Now, that race might be an obstacle to somebody who's unfit, somebody who's not trained whenever they look at the race that lies before them, they begin to have fear. They begin to have anxiety. But whenever the strong man goes to run the race, he has joy. He has confidence because he can. He knows he can make it. Now, I want to give you something here today. Jesus Christ is the bridegroom. And here, Jesus Christ coming out of his chamber, this psalm here is giving us the gospel in typology. Jesus Christ coming out of the grave like the sun rising in its strength as David prophesied and here Jesus Christ rejoicing as a strong man to run a race is about to resurrect from the dead in that psalm. That's what that's talking about. Here's Jesus in the grave. Jesus separated from his body, separated from his father, and there's an obstacle in front of him. The obstacle is death. But Jesus Christ is as a strong man rejoicing to run the race. He knows he's already defeated death. He knows he has the victory over death. He's ready. He's prepared. He's got the power. He's got the strength and he's rejoicing as a strong man to run a race. You don't find Jesus Christ crawling out of the grave, sweating all over like he just did some kind of great exhortation, like he worked so hard to come back from the dead. No, you find Jesus Christ standing calmly in the garden and Mary Magdalene weeping and Jesus saying, Mary and Mary turning around saying, Rabboni and Jesus saying, touch me not yet. 
I've not yet ascended to my father. And then you find him right away going and gathering up his disciples like a strong man to run a race. He never missed a beat. He never slowed down. And if you're born again by the power of God today, the strong man is living in you. The strong man has come out of his chamber. The strong man is running the race. And it's your job to get in line with the strong man and let him run his race through you. And you can rejoice because of total confidence that there is no obstacle that can stand in your way as a born again Christian. You have all the promises of God. All power is given unto me. Go ye therefore and preach the gospel, said the Lord. All power is given unto me. Hallelujah. Rejoicing comes from total confidence and expectation of overcoming the obstacles that are placed in front of you. Psalms 27 and verse 13. Hallelujah to the Lamb. I had fainted, says the psalmist, unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. I had fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Are you faint today? Are you beleaguered today? Are you defeated today in doubt, in depression, in anxiety? Are you defeated today? Are you living in the rejoicing that God has commanded you to live in? Wait, I say, on the Lord. You can rejoice because you have total confidence available to you that you can overcome any obstacle placed before you. There is nothing that can happen to you that you cannot overcome if you are a born again believer filled with the spirit of God. You have all power in you in Christ, the strong man running the race. He's come out of the chamber. Let him run it. Stop trying to run it yourself and let him run it. Just ask him, Lord, would you just bend over and let me latch on for a piggyback ride? Because it won't slow him down one bit to run your race. With you on his back, just get with Jesus, the strong man, and let him run your race. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. This will balance itself out as we keep going. Look at Psalm 19 and verse 8. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The statutes of the Lord are the unchanging word of God. There's another application that we'll look at in a moment. We'll pick that verse up again. But the statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. This means that God is perfectly just. This means that God does not let anything slip by. This means that God will not let you suffer persecution, tribulation, distress, affliction, without recompensing to your enemies and without rescuing you from it. If not in this life, then in the next life. And most of the time it is the next life. But nevertheless, God's statutes are right. What God does is right. And God's law is right. Psalms 107 and verse 42. We'll be back in the earlier Psalms after we pick up this one. Psalms 107 is a long Psalm that deals with the loving kindness of the Lord in afflicting people and he says here in Psalm 107:42 the righteous shall see it and rejoice and all iniquity shall stop her mouth you can rejoice in the face of the bad news you can rejoice in the face of iniquity you can rejoice in the face of a wicked world knowing that the statutes of the Lord are right it will rejoice your heart 
Hallelujah. Go to Psalms 20 and verse 5. <coughs> Here's rejoicing. You can rejoice in the salvation of the Lord. Psalms 20 and verse 5. We will rejoice in thy salvation. And in the name of our God, we will set up our banners. The Lord fulfill all thy petitions. Now know I that the Lord saveth his anointed. He will hear him from his holy heaven with the saving strength of his right hand. His anointed is the Messiah, Jesus Christ. You can rejoice as a Christian because God did not leave Jesus in the grave. Jesus rose from the dead and Jesus has given us salvation through his name. Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we will remember the name of the Lord our God. They are brought down and fallen, but we are risen and stand upright. Verse 9, save Lord, let the king hear us when we call and whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Hallelujah to the Lamb. Bless the name of Jesus. Salvation is of the Lord. You can rejoice because of the salvation of the Lord. Psalms 31 and verse 7. This speaks of rejoicing in the mercy of the Lord. <coughs> Psalms 31, 7. I will be glad and rejoice in thy mercy. For thou hast considered my trouble. Thou hast known my soul in adversities. I will be glad and rejoice in in thy mercy. You can rejoice in the mercy of God. You can rejoice because God is merciful and salvation is available to you. Go to Luke 10. Hold your place in Psalms. Luke 10 and verse 20. In Luke 10 and verse 20, Jesus Christ told the disciples when they got all the gifts and they got all the power and they got all of these great miracles that they got to do. And in Luke 10, 20, Jesus said, notwithstanding in this rejoice not that the spirits are subject unto you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. Let me tell you something today. If you are rejoicing in your ministry, if you think that rejoicing in the salvation of the Lord means rejoicing when God saves other people, you're going to have some dry spells. You can rejoice because your name is written down in the Lamb's book of life, born again Christian. You can rejoice when nobody's getting saved. You can rejoice when it seems like that God has almost just departed. There's no power and you're seeking his face and you're waiting on God. Your heart's right with God, but you're not going forward. You're not doing anything. You're not producing anything. It doesn't seem like you're getting anywhere in the ministry. He says, rejoice not that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice rather that your names are written in heaven. Rejoice in the salvation of God. Psalms 32. Psalms 32 and verse 11. <coughs> Hallelujah. Here in the Bible it says, Be glad in the Lord and rejoice ye righteous and shout for joy all ye that are upright in heart. Rejoicing comes... That's Psalm 33.1. No, that was 32.11. We need to look at 33.1. Rejoice in the Lord, O ye righteous, for praise is comely for the upright. 
Go to Psalm 68.3. You can rejoice in God with a clear conscience. Psalm 68.3. But let the righteous be glad. Let them rejoice before God. Yea, let them exceedingly rejoice. Let God arise, the Bible says. Let his enemies be scattered. Let them also that hate him flee before him. As smoke is driven away, so drive them away. As wax melteth before the fire, so let the wicked perish at the presence of God. But let the righteous be glad. Let them rejoice before God. Yea, let them exceedingly rejoice. Rejoicing comes from purity and uprightness. Rejoicing comes from being right with God. Go to Luke 15. Luke chapter 15 and verse 3. Here Jesus spake this parable unto them, saying, What man of you, having an hundred sheep, if he lose one of them, doth not leave the ninety and nine in the wilderness? And go after that which is lost until he find it. And when he hath found it, he layeth it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he cometh home, he calleth together his friends and neighbors, saying unto them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. I say unto you that likewise joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repenteth, more than over ninety and nine just persons which need no repentance. Maybe your joy is gone. Maybe you can't rejoice. Maybe you're trying and it's not working. And maybe that's because there's sin in your life, Christian repent there'll be joy in heaven and there'll be joy in your heart look at verse 8 either what woman having 10 pieces of silver if she lose one piece doth not light a candle and sweep the house and seek diligently till she find it and when she hath found it she calleth her friends and her neighbors together saying rejoice with me for I have found the peace which I had lost likewise I say unto you there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner that repenteth rejoice Rejoicing comes from a pure heart. Rejoicing comes from a clean heart. Rejoicing comes from being declared righteous by God. Rejoicing comes from having the fellowship restored with God. Rejoicing is not contingent on circumstances, but it is very often contingent on the purity of the one who would rejoice and who is commanded to rejoice. Remember that rejoicing is not an emotion. Go to Psalms 45. <coughs> rejoicing is not an emotion. I'm not telling you that you need to put your hypocritical win friends and influence people smile on and pretend like you're rejoicing when you don't feel like rejoicing. I'm telling you it's not hypocritical to rejoice when you don't feel like rejoicing. That's what I'm telling you. I'm telling you rejoicing is not an emotion. Rejoicing is not contingent on your feelings. Rejoicing is not something that God gave you the right to feel like it or not. This is something that God has commanded. And we will see that here in just a moment. Now rejoicing here is also as we look to God, we look to the uprightness, we look to the salvation of God, we can look to the coming of Christ and rejoice. Psalms 45 and verse 14. Here it says, she shall be brought unto the king in raiment of needlework. The virgins, her companions that follow her shall be brought unto her. And here is a millennial psalm. <clears throat> a psalm that deals with Jesus Christ ruling and reigning. 
rejoicing comes and will accompany the return of Christ. Go to Psalm 63 and verse 11. There's a day coming when God will make the wrong right. There's a day coming when God will restore the heaven and the earth, when God will rule in righteousness. Then Jesus Christ himself on the throne of David in Jerusalem, and he will rule in righteousness and there will be rejoicing. Psalm 63 and verse 11, but the king shall rejoice in God. The king shall rejoice in God. Everyone that sweareth by him shall glory, but the mouth of them that speak lies shall be stopped. There's a day that Jesus Christ will rejoice on the throne of David, and Jesus Christ's enemies, their mouths will be stopped. And there in Psalm 68, sing unto God, verse 4, sing unto God, sing praises to his name, extol him that rideth upon the heavens by his name, Jah, and rejoice before him. Here's the Old Testament God of all the earth and here he is riding in the heavens we find the fulfillment of this in revelation 19 when jesus christ there is seen the heavens are opened and behold a white horse and him that sat upon it in righteousness doth he judge and make war jesus christ the righteous is coming back rejoice before him the bible says rejoice before jesus christ rejoicing comes when you consider the great salvation god has given you rejoicing comes when you confess your sins and he is faithful and just to forgive you your sins and you're right with almighty God and rejoicing comes upon the meditation of the coming king of kings and lord of lords who will rule and reign and put all his enemies under his feet hallelujah to the lamb rejoicing also comes from reconciliation with God and we kind of looked at that whenever we saw the uprightness and purity but let's look at a couple more verses Psalms 51 and verse 8 make me to hear joy and gladness that the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice and Psalm 53 and verse 6 oh that the salvation of Israel were come out of Zion when God bringeth back the captivity of his people Jacob shall rejoice and Israel shall be glad. Joy comes after God has chastened you. Joy comes after you have suffered through chastening and God restores you to that close fellowship with him. Hallelujah for the rejoicing that comes to his people. Jacob shall rejoice, the Bible says, that the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. That's the restoration of Israel, by the way, in Psalms 53 and verse 6. Number 10, rejoicing can be imputed by God. Go to Psalm Psalms 86 and verse 4. Psalms 86 and verse 4. This is enough to rejoice for all by itself. That rejoicing is not only not an emotion, it's not subjective to circumstances. That emotion is, or that rejoicing is, in all actuality, an act of the sanctified will. But beyond that, rejoicing can and will be imputed by God. Look at Psalms 86 and verse 4. Rejoice the soul of thy servant. For unto thee, O Lord, do I lift up my soul. When you're at the end of your rope and you don't feel like you can rejoice and you're trying to anyway, and you understand it's an act of the sanctified will, but you don't feel very sanctified, and you understand you're supposed to rejoice, but it's not coming, and you're trying and it's just not there, understand that the psalmist cried out to God, Rejoice the soul of thy servant. For unto thee, O Lord, do I lift up my soul. You can lift up your soul 
to God and ask God to rejoice your soul for you. Rejoice that God can make you rejoice. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. Number 11, rejoicing is commanded, not optional. Now we kind of touched on that whenever we first read our text this morning. Rejoice evermore. But here we'll see it again in Psalm 98 and verse 4. Rejoicing is commanded. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all the earth. Make a loud noise and rejoice and sing praise. Did you know that lost people, when Jesus Christ returns, they'll hit the deck, their knees will bow, their knees will bow to the ground, and their tongues will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, and God will require the world to rejoice. How about that? Even the lost sinner is going to rejoice during the millennial reign because he won't have a choice. God's going to make him do it, even though he doesn't want to. How much more should we who are his children rejoice when he's commanded us rejoice evermore? Hallelujah to the Lamb. Number 12, rejoicing is divine. Psalm 104 and verse 31 Psalm 104 and verse 31, the Bible says the glory of the Lord shall endure forever. The Lord shall rejoice in his works. The Lord shall rejoice. God rejoices. We saw in the book of Luke back there in chapter 10 that Jesus was rejoicing and we are commanded to rejoice because God rejoices and God rejoicing should be a cause of rejoicing for you if God loves you and he does. If Jesus died for you and was buried and rose again the third day, and he did, if salvation is available to whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord, and it is, if all this is true and God is rejoicing, you can trust God and meditate on God, his salvation, his millennial reign, his coming in righteousness, the justice of his statutes, and you can rejoice because God is rejoicing. You, you say, I don't have a reason to rejoice. God is rejoicing so you can rejoice because God is rejoicing. Hallelujah to the Lamb. The glory of the Lord shall endure forever. The Lord shall rejoice in his works. You say, I don't think God's really coming through for me. The Lord is rejoicing in his works, whether it seems like it's working out for you or not. Rejoice because the Lord is rejoicing. Rejoicing is divine. Now, 13, rejoicing comes from exposure to God's perfect word. If your rejoicer is broken, it may be that you haven't had enough time in the word of God. Psalm 19, 8, again, the statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. Let's look at these verses here. Verse 7 through 10, the law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. Go to Psalms 119. 
And verse 14, I have rejoiced in the way of thy testimonies as much as in all riches. You see people every now and then on the news, they won the lottery and they won $350 million. And if you do the backstory on them in five years, in six years, sometimes in two years or three years, they're dead, flat, busted, broke. They've spent every dollar they've got. Their uncertain riches have made themselves wings and flown away as an eagle towards heaven. Most of them end up with divorces. Most of them end up with all kinds of other problems that come into their lives and their money destroys them. Here the Bible says, I have rejoiced in the way of thy testimonies as much as in all riches. You don't need your circumstances to change. You need to get back in the old Bible. You need to get the perfectly preserved pure word of God in the English language that I'm speaking to you in today. Get an authorized version King James Bible and read it. The statutes of the Lord are right. Rejoicing the heart when your rejoicer's broken, get back in the word of God. Rejoicing comes from exposure to God's perfect word. Also, we're going to look today here and finally at rejoicing as the reward of suffering service. Rejoicing is the reward of suffering service. Psalms 126 and verse 6. Praise the Lord for these verses with all these other reasons to rejoice. This is just the cap on top. This is the cherry on the ice cream sundae right here. Psalm 126, 6. He that goeth forth and weepeth, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. Rejoicing is the reward of suffering service. Go to Matthew chapter 5. As you're going there, I want to read that verse again. He that goeth forth weep and weepeth, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. God has promised you that you will come rejoicing when you go forth weeping, bearing precious seed. Matthew 5 and verse 12. Rejoice and be exceeding glad. What's the context here? Verse 10. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness sake for theirs is the kingdom of heaven blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake rejoice and be exceeding glad for great is your reward in heaven for so persecuted they the prophets which were before you you're in good company when you're persecuted and Jesus says rejoice and the psalmist says you will doubtless come rejoicing. Rejoice when you're persecuted. Rejoice when you're reviled. Rejoice when you're preaching and suffering for the cause of Christ because you will doubtless come again rejoicing, bringing your sheaves with them. Go to 1 Thessalonians and we'll look at our text as well as one other verse there. There was a group that was trying to win souls to Christ in in a distant place. And they had a board um, of directors over them in their case, and they had had no success, and they were getting nowhere. And they sent back a message, and they said, we've tried everything, and we haven't had breakthrough. We've fasted, we've prayed, we've preached, we've sang, we've invited them, we've done everything that we can do. We've tried everything in our power, and we've not gotten any results. We haven't seen anybody come to Christ. Now, sometimes that's just how it is. That's just Noah got eight. So for some people, that's just how it is. But in this case, the, that mission board sent to these um, preachers of the gospel and said to them, have you tried tears? Have you tried tears? 
What were they saying? Work up Jimmy up a bunch of fake tears? No, they were saying get burdened. Get burdened and weep before God for these people. And in that case, revival broke out in their lifetime. It always will, but not always in the lifetime of those that do it. You see, God's promises are not temporal. They're eternal. And so we don't always see the fulfillment in this life, but you can trust God. And because you can trust God, you can rejoice in what God does. And you can rejoice in the midst of persecution. This command rejoice evermore in first Thessalonians five and verse 16 was given to a persecuted church. It was given to a baby church, a fledgling church. It was given to a church that was born in trouble. And in 1 Thessalonians 2.19, we can see some of that trouble here. Paul said um, that Paul said to them, in spite of their trouble, their trouble comes there in verse 14. And we'll get to verse 19. For ye, brethren, became followers of the churches of God, which in Judea are in Christ Jesus. For ye also have suffered like things of your own countrymen, even as they have of the Jews, who both killed the Lord Jesus and their own prophets and have persecuted us and they please not God and are contrary to all men forbidding us to speak to the Gentiles that they might be saved to fill up their sins always, for the wrath has come upon them to the uttermost this is a church that is resisted this is a church that is embattled this is a church that is unpopular this is a church that is hated this is a church that has been separated from its teachers this is a church that is in a high degree of spiritual poverty in our eyes with nothing but a little bit of the word of God that was delivered to them orally by the apostle and possibly a few scraps of manuscripts and eat very little of even the completed word of God to hold in their own hands. And look at verse 17. But we brethren being taken from you for a short time in presence, not in heart, endeavored the more abundantly to see your face with great desire. Wherefore we would have come unto you, even I, Paul, once and again, but Satan hindered us. This is a church that Satan is especially interested in. This is a church that Satan is attacking. This is a church that Satan is hindering. This is a church that is in satanic attack and demonic devilish warfare. This is a church that is under the gun. And he says to that church, for what is our hope or joy or crown of rejoicing are not even ye in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ at his coming for ye are our glory and joy. And here the apostle Paul says, in spite of all the bad things that are happening to you, in spite of all the tribulation, in spite of all the bad circumstances, ye are our glory and our crown of rejoicing. And he commands them here in 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 16, rejoice rejoice evermore. There wasn't any outlook for a change in their circumstances. There was not an opportunity for them to elect a new Caesar. There was not an opportunity for them to vote out the city magistrates that were giving them trouble. There was not an opportunity for them to eliminate the Jews that were there that were antagonistic to the gospel and attacking them. Instead, they had to bear under their tribulation. They had to live through their trouble. Things were not getting better. But Paul said to them, rejoice evermore. And we'll find that verse 17 follows verse 16. Boy, that's a very deep thought, isn't it? In verse 17, Lord willing, we'll look at that tomorrow in the next lesson. Pray without ceasing. And I want to tell you today, your prayers to God will be hindered if you do not rejoice. Rejoicing is not an emotion. Rejoicing is not 
sitting and resting contingent upon your feelings. God did not tell you to feel like rejoicing. Did you notice that? He did not say feel like rejoicing. He said rejoice evermore. Rejoicing is an act of a born again Christian whose faith and trust is in almighty God, whose meditation is in God, who has been sanctified by the Holy Spirit of God and whose will is under subjection to the Holy Spirit of God and who yields his body even in the midst of trouble and bad circumstances to be that which gives God glory through rejoicing in the manifold goodness and blessings of God. Rejoicing is the born again believer expressing utter confidence in the face of insurmountable obstacles that God will carry him through that God will bring his soul up from the grave that he will not see corruption that we have an enduring everlasting inheritance a home in heaven on high it is an expression of utter confidence in the face of obstacles rejoicing is possible because of God's unchanging justice because God is true and God is right will not the judge of all the earth do right rejoicing is the Christian trusting that the wicked that are oppressing him will one day meet their maker and stand and be judged and that he does not have to repay vengeance he does not have to judge those people himself he does not have to render evil for evil instead he can rejoice rejoicing is the sanctified Christian the born again believer who has been forgiven of all his sins and is standing before God in purity and righteousness. Rejoicing is the born-again Christian who has been chastened by God, whose bones have been broken, but who has been reconciled to God and is now lifting up his heart in rejoicing praise. Rejoicing is going to accompany Jesus Christ in the millennial reign. Rejoicing can be imputed by God. Rejoicing is commanded. Rejoicing is divine. Rejoicing comes from exposure to God's word and rejoicing is the reward of suffering service in the name of Jesus Christ. A joyful expectation that we can all look forward to to carry us through the times when it seems dark. Father in Jesus name I pray that you touch this word and use it. Bless it. Lord send it out in power and encourage the hearts of your saints. Lord animate your church. Invigorate your church. Give us rejoicing hearts. Lord God, to rejoice. I will rejoice. I will be glad in the Lord. I will not stand in defeat. I will not sit in the corner and mope and sulk in my my stupid discontentedness. I will rejoice. I will be glad in the Lord. Thank you, Lord, for your salvation. I worship you today in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. For Christ's sake, amen.